They tell me the power button was, on, was not on to the amplifier, which is a good spiritual analogy, isn't it? <laughs> so we return to talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, we've talked about love and joy and peace, and today we want to talk about patience. So let me begin with a question here. Have you ever asked God for more patience? Let me ask that again. Have you ever asked God for more patience? Now, I'm not sure about you, but I'm probably more prone to ask God to take away the problem for healing, for joy, the removal of problems, maybe even people. than asking God for more patience. Not that God disallows us from asking for those things I mentioned, like joy and healing, of course, right? And everything, by prayer and petition, make your request known unto God. But very often, God is asking us to wait. So when the Apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh Whatever that was, we aren't told, right? He says, three times I asked the Lord to take it away from me. And do you remember what the Lord said to him? He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, wait upon me and my grace and my power for your weakness, Paul. God asked Paul to patiently tap into his strengthening to get through whatever his thorn in the flesh was. Romans 8.25 says, But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. You know, when we want something, we tend to push on the gas pedal where God wants us to step on the brake pedal and slow down. But waiting is hard, isn't it? Waiting sucks sometimes. And it's hard. So is patience a character trait that you need to grow in your life? It is for me. That is for sure. Not only waiting is waiting hard, but we also live in a culture of instant gratification that fuels our impatience. We used to line up at banks to get cash. Does anyone remember that? Yeah. Line up at banks to get cash. Or deposit your check. No automatic, you know, deposits into your bank account back then. And I think it was the early 1980s when I first received my debit card. Some of you probably remember that, right? You received your first debit card and you could get cash out of the ATM. You know what that stands for, right? Automatic teller machine, right? Instead of a person... It was this automatic machine. 
And it was like magic, cash at your fingertips 24-7. You know, and today, of course, many of us use our phone apps to do everything because everything has gone digital. Everything has gone completely instant, instant. So then we have actually learned not to wait for anything because everything is so instant. Packages can come to your door in a day or two. Meals come to your door within a half an hour. Movies and music are, in a sense, instant. They're at your fingertips. And we love the convenience of these things, don't we? I admit it. I love it. I like efficiency. I like speed. But as Jen Wilkins said in a recent Christianity Today magazine article, instant service is wonderful, but she says, rapid delivery teaches us that waiting is an enemy to be eliminated. Standing between us and what we desire. And she is right. And so we treat waiting like a curse to be eradicated. So in Galatians 5.22, patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Patience, in other words, is something that comes from God. It is a mark of spiritual maturity. We are in a hurry... God wants us to wait, and it's difficult for most of us. Even our devotional life is turned into quick sound bites and one-minute drive-throughs with God. And then we think God's going to bless us and work miracles in our life as we whiz past him. So just like the ATM machine that spits out cash with a push of a button, we expect instant spiritual delivery from God. Then in our hurry, we think God is too slow as we hurry on ahead of him. So what is patience anyway? Well, patience... There we go. Actually, literally means um, long-tempered. Now, some of our older translations, some of you will know this, but the word long-suffering was used. A word that deserves, I think, our attention. Now, more recently in the NIV, at least in my uh, edition, the word is forbearance. And uh, there are actually two different words that kind of get at things from a different angle, but I think both of these words help us And so both these words help us define kind of in a wholesome way what patience is. And so this is Christopher J.H. Wright's definition. First of all, lung suffering. The ability to endure for a long time whatever opposition and suffering comes our way and to show perseverance without wanting retaliation or revenge. Patience is long suffering. Endurance like a marathon runner in the face of of wanting to quit. Okay? So that's long-suffering. What about forbearance? Forbearance is the ability to put up with the weaknesses and foibles of others and to show forbearance toward them without getting quickly irritated or angry enough to want to fight 
back. So there is a relational component in the forbearance word, isn't there? Right? So as you can see, patience is long-suffering and forbearing. And it isn't the sort of thing that we normally have in our back pocket. It has to be grown into our lives. So the reason why Paul lists these fruit is because within the church that he's writing to are people who are divided amongst themselves because of their differences. And so he's calling for loving patience among them. Patience from God was needed to keep the unity, to be united in the one thing they believe in, and that is Jesus Christ. When someone dangerously cuts you off while driving, you're probably not going to blow them nice happy kisses, right? Something just gets under your skin. It's hard to explain, isn't it? Just, it's almost instant. You're irritated, and if we're not careful, it can just lead to maybe even full-blown rage sometimes. You've all watched the YouTube videos, right? All the rage, road rage events. That's why you and I need the Holy Spirit's help to grow in patience from the inside out. Now, let's begin with God, because he's the ultimate patient one. But just like I asked for, you know, do you picture God as a loving God, or even a peaceful God? Do you picture God as a patient God? Because many people really do not. Many people imagine that the God of the Old Testament is always angry and he's just impatient with his people. Now, of course, in the Old Testament, there are spectacular moments where God's anger is poured out on Israel because of their profound rebellion and their wickedness. But long before this, actually God revealed himself to Moses as he truly was. And this is what he says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So what we see in the Old Testament is God's long-suffering patience, where he is absolutely slow to anger because he dearly loves his people. So we need to see God's occasional Moments of anger in light of his long-suffering patience over generations, if not centuries. We have to look at the larger picture. God is incredibly patient with his people and with this world. God is patient and filled with love. That is God's real identity. Let me give you another one. This is Hosea. Hosea. God is portrayed as a patient and loving parent. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms 
but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness to ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Isn't that a beautiful image? It's a true image. Kind, loving, gentle, patient father, that is who our God is. God also bears the burden of our sins. Because patience has a lot to do with your ability to bear or to carry burdens and troubles and irritations. That is why when a child or a friend keeps disappointing you and hurting you, you might say by the end of the day, I just can't take it anymore, right? That's bearing language. And you're saying, that's enough. (laughs) I'm going to unload them next time, right? I can't take it anymore. Isaiah 42, Isaiah imagines an argument between Israel and God. And so God says to Israel, I have not burdened you with drained offerings or wearied you with the demands of incense, but you have burdened me with your sins, and you have worried me, wearied me with your offenses. So God is saying, you know, God requires their worship. He required of Israel their worship, and he's simply saying to them, that was not a burden to you. It was a gift to you, right? The, the language of incense is worship. It was not a burden. But when it says that God is wearied by their offenses, it simply means that God has been incredibly patient because he is carrying the heavy load of their sin. And he's being patient with them. Old Testament scholar Christopher Wright says that um, that one of the Hebrew words translated to forgive actually literally means to bury or to carry. God is incredibly patient when he forgives because he chooses to carry sins himself and he bears the weight and cost of them on his own shoulders. This is long-suffering patience. And of course, it's exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross. What Isaiah spoke about long before it even happened. So this is Isaiah 53, these famous verses. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Well, there it is. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So Jesus' patience was demonstrated when he endured the violence and hatred of injustice on the cross. But he did it by bearing and carrying our sin without retaliation. By trusting God his Father. Jesus' patience was so immense because not only was he bearing the hatred of those who put him on the cross, this incredible injustice, but he was bearing the burdens and the sins of the entire world, which of course includes my sins 
and your sins. And so Jesus' death on the cross is the most incredible expression of God's loving patience we will ever know. Loving patience is of God. Jesus' patient suffering is a model for us, for our own patience, and for endurance. This is Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2.21. If you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. When they hurled insults on him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Incredible amount of wisdom here for everyday life. He bore our sins in his body so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness, he continues. So we have this example of God's patience. We have this example of Jesus' patience for all of us. And so the question now is, how do I grow in patience? How do we grow in patience? So let me just give you um, four insights. They're a little bit random. But here we go. So firstly, we must eliminate hurry from our lives and learn to wait on God. We grow in patience by waiting upon God. Hours before Jesus was arrested, he did not panic. He actually slowed down. He went to the garden to pray. And his purpose for living and dying was finely tuned by God's will for him. This is what he was doing in prayer. He was saying, not my will, but your will be done. I mean, what an example, right? It's, it's, it's all there. Slowing down. Not retaliation. Put down your sword, he told to Peter, Right? He cast his burdens upon his father. And we must do the same. But to wait on God, we have to eliminate hurry from our lives because hurry is what gets us into trouble. Hurry is going ahead of God. Hurry is why we miss hearing God's voice. Hurry is what leads to accidents. Hurry is what leads to immorality and disobedience. And then our selfish desires take over in the rush. Pastor and author John Ortberg shared about contacting a wise mentor of his for spiritual guidance over the phone. And so John shared with his mentor um, the burdens of his life, the pace of his life, the rhythms of his family life, and his present spiritual condition of his heart. And so he asked his mentor, 
What do I need to do to be spiritually healthy? Good question. There's a long pause. Finally, his mentor says, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Another long pause. Okay, John says. I wrote that down now. That's a good one. Uh, What else is there? John was a bit impatient and busy. It was a long-distance call, and back in those days, you actually paid attention because it was expensive. So he was anxious to cram as much wisdom as he could, right? Give it to me now. Another long pause. Finally, his mentor said, there is nothing else. Well, John admits that his mentor, who was Dallas Willard, was the wisest mentor he has ever known. There is nothing else. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. It gets you going, doesn't it? So, I know, most of us are probably like John because we're in a hurry. We got things to do. We got places to go. We got money to earn. Not only this, but we have multiple distractions coming at us at the same time that robs us of peace as we rush through life. I mean, we look at our phones... At the same time, we're trying to talk to our husband and wife, and we're wondering why we're not hearing each other. But when we look at the life of Jesus, even in his moment of incredible distress and opposition, what is he doing? He is slowing down to be with God his Father. He was not in a hurry. Yet even, yet everything, even in the face of suffering and death, was under control. Jesus even refused to allow the demands of people, the crowds, to control him at the height of his popularity, right? He just kind of blew through the crowds and says, i got to be with my father. He goes up to the mountains to pray. Have we become so busy that we have left no margin to spend time with God? Ruthlessly eliminate hurry and busyness from your life. It will save you. Second on the list, impatience comes because our goals are often faulty. So not only do we need to eliminate hurry from our lives, but we have to eliminate wrong goals or at least inappropriate ones. So if we're feeling anxious or angry or depressed, it could be because your goals you have made or your expectations are a little bit off or a little bit faulty. For example, um, perfectionist, sorry perfectionist, I'm going to pick on you a little bit, but they tend to think that they have, have, have the right 
to reach their premium goals. Perfectionists have extremely high standards, right? And they might even demand the same of their friends or their spouse. And they are dissatisfied with anything less than this. But if their standards are not met, look out for the perfectionists. Because if things go out of control, then they are in for a hard fall. And they become angry, irritated, and not fun to live with. And they might even play the blame game. They blame someone else for their spiral. And their misery is someone else's fault. Now, of course, hard work and diligence are good qualities, right? So let's give the perfectionist a break. Good work, good quality work is a good thing. But this is where godly patient comes in. Just as God is patient with us in our imperfections, right? Forbearance, remember? We must be patient with our own shortcomings and the shortcomings of others. So anger, bitterness, and sulking are often present in our lives because something did not go our way at home, at work, or at play. And so we need to slow down. As someone said, do your very best, but trust God with the rest. In fact, trust God with everything. Okay? Proverbs 14.29 says this, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. You know, you might have great goals, but you're not always going to achieve them. And that is okay. And when that happens, leave it in God's hands. And so this is where patience and waiting in God is required. Patience means no matter what challenges we face, we will remain faithful to God and his moral standards. Thirdly, be patient with one another in adversity. So here is this relational side for certain. And we have said that before. In Galatians 5, the fruit is really mainly about relationships, forbearance. So I quote the definitions of forbearance once again. The ability to put up with the weaknesses and foibles of others and to show forbearance toward them without getting quickly irritated or angry enough to want to fight back. Patience is absolutely necessary in the body of Christ because we have our differences and some kind of adversity, and you'll, know, you'll never know when it's going to happen, but it's just going to happen. Okay? Let's just accept that. It's going to happen. One of my high school classmates during our high school reunion this summer, she's from the States, but she was telling me about her former church. And they were a church that was proud of their unity, proud of their tolerance, proud of their mutual support for each other. But then COVID hit them. And she says it completely broke this church apart. 
right? You never know what's going to happen. And of course, we all understand what happened. And the divisions were absolutely everywhere. That is why God's people need godly patience through the work of the Holy Spirit in you. We need to be unified around our one love for Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32 says this, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God gave you. That's forbearance. That is godly patience. Finally, something for husbands and wives. Husbands and wives must learn to listen to each other. So Paul instructed husbands to not be harsh on their wives and to love them as Christ loved the church. Wives are to respect their husbands. Uh, All in all, all the marital advice in the New Testament really comes down to um, patience because the assumption is that each of us has foibles. We need loving patience with each other because no one is perfect. And so husbands and wives need to slow down and listen to one another. I came across uh, years ago a hilarious um, video on communication for couples. And the counselor literally gave the couple a floor tile, right? And whoever had the floor tile had the floor. Get it? Right? And so they gave it to the one spouse. And if they had the floor tile, uh, let's say it was the wife, and she was allowed to talk and express her concerns and you can only imagine the husband wanted to talk back. But he hasn't, doesn't have the floor tile, right? So teaching each other to listen while the other one speaks. And then when it was his turn, he got the tile, and finally he could speak. It's a good lesson, right? Teaching couples to truly listen to one another, what they are really feeling because... Sometimes it's tough because you're trying to get out what you want your spouse to hear instead of the other way around. So we need to take turns and listen to one another. Be patient with each other. Well, Paul says, love is patient and love is kind. Have you noticed the fruit kind of all, they kind of all go together, all linked up? Because I'm talking about love and patience at the same time, even though Paul separates them in separate words. Paul is trying to save a church, this is the Corinthian church, who were at each other's throats. Even though they were probably the most talented, gifted church on the planet. I don't know about you, but I know that I need God's supernatural help when it comes to patience. So don't be afraid to seek God in prayer for patience. We're not ruling out 
prayer for joy and healing. But more often than not, God wants to give you endurance to get through. Don't forget what James says. God may allow you to go through troubles of many kinds because he says the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Another word for patience. So that's why. That's why God says, ask me for patience and endure the trials. Because he knows when you endure it by trusting him, it will develop patience in you. There really is no shortcuts, right? So if we lack it, James continues to say, then ask for wisdom. Ask of God and he will give it to you. So let's learn to wait on God and seek him instead of running ahead of him. Let's pray. Lord, we have stumbled on a word that is most difficult for most of us. And we confess this morning that we are low in the tank of patience. And we need your help. May we have the courage, Lord, to ask for your patience instead of instant delivery of this and that. May you give us your endurance, your perseverance to push through. Maybe it's about a trial we're going through. Maybe it's about a difficulty we have with people. But teach us, Lord, instead of to rush on ahead and to boil over with anger, but to be like Jesus, who instead got on his knees and poured his heart before God and cried out, not my will be done, but your will be done, Father. We pray this into our lives, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, you can stand with us and let's sing this final song. Find what this world can. 